Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Evan and Aaron's Sportsbook Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Evan and Aaron. Welcome, everybody, to the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Really delighted to have you this evening. This is Alan from the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, bringing you tonight, 9.30 p.m., March 4th, 2022. Really glad to have you join us tonight. And the phone number here is 516-418-5572. Again, that's 516-418-5572. 5572. Feel free to join in, call in, let us know your opinion. You're always welcome here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. So as I mentioned, this is Allen. My co-host Aaron was out today, but we have a great show lined up for you today. Nothing's going to stop us here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. I did want to go ahead and give major props. Extremely, really proud of this, folks. This deserves a round of applause. It's such big news that it deserves two rounds of applause because guess what, folks? This is something that's going to be really breaking news. We have, guess what, our very first sponsor of the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show is provided by none other than Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. And I got to say that this thing is a real blessing, that we got the blessing of this sponsorship. Not easy. But, you know, the thing is, it, it paved the way for us to get the sponsorship. And the reason why Chef G's is our first sponsor Because they're so delicious and addictive, you may need a support group. (laughs) So definitely support Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. You can go ahead at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. Look at it for the Facebook page, and you'll be able to go ahead and check the link. So you can go ahead and taste the Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. Four different flavors, and I tried three of the floor. The only one I haven't tried is the Classic. But definitely looking forward to doing that real, real soon. Great sauce. All of the three that I've tried so far have been delicious. Please let us know in the comment section which flavor you feel is if it's the best for you. So once again, thank you, Seth G's, for being our very first sponsor on the Allen and Aaron Sports Tech Radio Show. Yes, and definitely big props to Chef G's. He's our sponsor for today and going to be our sponsor going forward. So you're going to hear a lot about Chef G's barbecue sauce here on the Allen Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Now, uh, I do have some somber news. We do have to pay our respects to a loss, and that's his Stanford star goalkeeper, Katie Meyer. That's Katie Meyer. 
Stanford's goalkeeper. Let me go ahead and give a moment of silence for her. Yeah, unfortunately, this is sad news in the sports community with the goalkeeper, Katie Meyer, passing. Unfortunately, this was a death that her parents confirmed by suicide. And it's something that we don't take lightly here in the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. We, too, have had to deal with death and suicide. That's what prompted us to start the show of the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Uh, Katie seemed like, in all accounts, a very well-rounded kid. She was on social media a lot, like most of the kids nowadays, nothing out of the norm. But one thing that was different was she was the goalkeeper of the Stanford soccer team. There's a lot of pressure doing that, being the goalkeeper, making sure that no one scores. I don't know what was going on through her head, but in all accounts, she had everything going her way, young 21-year-old. And it's really a gut-wrenching story to go ahead and hear about her demise. And please, um, if you can, reach out to the family. Give them your condolences. Dealing with suicide is never easy. And it's something that no one should ever have to deal with. It's something that I've had to deal with throughout my life a couple times. And not myself, but, you know, being a, a victim of somebody committing suicide, it's something that you never forget something that is something dear to our heart here. And I did want to go ahead and mention the best way to go ahead and help is to call 1-800-273-8255. Again, it's 800-273-8255. It's available 24-7, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline you know somebody that is suicidal, somebody that is thinking about committing suicide, please feel free to give them a call. Let them know. Give them your thoughts. If you're thinking about doing it, that one call could definitely, literally, in some cases, save your life. So please go ahead and call that number. I'll give it one more time. 1-800-273-8255. And definitely we're going to give another moment of silence for goalkeeper Katie Meyer. Definitely a sad story there, but uh, many prayers that will go out to the family and the victims involved. And I wanted to talk a little basketball with you guys. One big debate that was going on this week is if LeBron James has surpassed Michael Jordan as being the GOAT. That was the question of the week, something that was thrown out a lot because they had uh, just a few days ago, they had the All-Star Weekend. Michael Jordan was there. LeBron James was there. They actually embraced, and it was really nice to see that, to see the two of them getting along, and at least in the public, seemed like everything is, is good. But deep down inside, they're competitors. <laughs> so we know that they're vying for that spot of who's number one. You know, uh, is it LeBron? Has he surpassed them? Is it Michael Jordan? And that was the question that was posed this week. One thing that a lot of people probably don't realize is that LeBron James now, up until the other day, had 36,664 points, Michael Jordan 32,292 points. So 
by the time LeBron James finished playing, he's going to probably have almost all, if not all, of Michael Jordan's records, less, of course, the titles. Michael Jordan has six, no loss in the final, and LeBron has four. He's four out of nine. And this is an interesting debate because I think a couple of years ago when people say, well, it's not close, Michael Jordan has six, LeBron has, at the time, only had three. And at this point, even though LeBron is still playing and it seemed like he's going to continue to play for at least this year and maybe another year or two, he's going to be one of those guys that goes to the very, very end of the spectrum as far as playing. So he's going to rack up some more awards. He's going to rack up some more points. And when it's all said and done, he's definitely going to get Carl Malone because he's only about a mm, little less than 300 points away from him. And he's actually less than 2,000 away from Kareem. So on all accounts, if he continues to play, he will have the NBA's all-time scoring record, which is not an easy feat because you have to beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carl Malone is on that list, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. So there is a lot of fantastic achievements that LeBron James is going to have that Michael Jordan will not have reached. Now, I think a few years ago, people were saying, well, Michael Jordan has all the rings. LeBron doesn't. So by default, it's Michael Jordan. I don't think that that argument carries as much weight now in this point. You know, it, it, the way I look at LeBron is he's a fantastic player. He is definitely on the Mount Rushmore as far as playing players that have ever played in the NBA. But I also do look at LeBron as kind of being a little bit of a guy that had not to his fault, a lot of cases not to his fault. There's some cases that you could put some blame on him. But the majority, I would have to say, is that he kind of is a victim of circumstances, what I would say, meaning he really should, with his talent, his playmaking ability, the fact that he's actually a passer, that's the biggest difference. That's amazing. He has 36,000 points. He would have already probably passed Kareem if he was more selfish of a player, if he was willing to just take the shots, be what they would call, quote, unquote, a ball hog instead of passing the ball. And he's, he's, a, he's a great passer. Even early in his finals career, there was times where he passed the ball up to a player that was wide open, and that player didn't make the shot, and he got criticized. So that's one of the things. Well, one of the most iconic shots and things that Michael Jordan did was late in his career, he was double teamed toward the end of the game, and he passed the ball to John Paxton, and he nailed down the shot, a wide-open shot, because he had a great, great three-point shot. Michael Jordan passed up the shot and gave it to him, and he scored it. And then went in the series. So things like that, I feel like that's where LeBron kind of gets a short end of stick. It's not his fault that he, he doesn't have the same amount of repertoire that Michael Jordan had with the Hall of Fame coach, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, Tony Kukoc. I mean, the list goes on and on. John Paxton, the list goes on and on and on. Steve Kerr, of people that he had around him that was Hall of Famers. Now, that's not 
LeBron's fault and it's not Michael Jordan's fault. But sometimes if you're going to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time, you need a couple of breaks, especially in the finals, that's going to go your way. And that's why I feel LeBron is a victim of circumstance, that he, he went to the finals, especially when he was with Cleveland early in his career, and he took a bunch of guys that, let's quite frankly, is not nowhere near as talented as what Michael Jordan had, and he lost badly in the finals against the Spurs. And he did it again. So I look at LeBron as being on route, route, uh, Mount Rushmore, being one of the all-time NBA greats, which is not – I don't believe that he wants that title. I believe he wants the all-time GOAT title, and I get that. But I just feel that, unfortunately, some cases were not his fault. He was dealt a shorthand, and he was kind of given a victim of circumstance. And that's where he falls up short. So I think he is, he's going to be remembered as an all-time great. I still feel, and he even feels himself that he's underappreciated, which I think to a large degree he, he is. But I, I just can't say that I could put him above Michael Jordan. I don't think the six rings say it all. I just think that it's hard to beat perfection. Michael Jordan never went to a game seven in the finals. He's 6-0. and oh. He retired, was out of basketball for two years, and came back and won another three. I mean, he just had some of these epic moments that are, like, undisputed. So I think Michael Jordan will get the GOAT title. I think it's going to be hard for LeBron, even if he does have all these individual achievements, for him to say he's the GOAT. And I just feel as if because of those things. And it also kind of goes back to what I kind of tell my kids. You know, don't copy someone in life because you're not that person. No matter how much you try to emulate, how much you try to imitate them, how much you study them, how much you try to mimic their moves, you can't mimic who they are. You can't mimic their DNA. And you can always try to copy them and you'll get close, but you are a copy. You're not the original. And Michael Jordan, to me, is the original. He is the guy who transcended the game. He's, he's perfection as far as what his career stands for, ultimate competitor. And, yes, there are some differences in his game than LeBron. LeBron is more of a pass guy, whereas Michael, he's taking that double or triple team him. And except and the only exception was when he passed it to John Stockton. And that's, you know, I'm sorry, to Paxton. I beg your pardon, to Paxton. And that's, that's something that's very rare. But, um, you know, you can try to copy someone all you want in life, but it's just hard to duplicate perfection, and it's, it's hard to duplicate someone else. And I know that, hey, I copied this guy, did everything he did, you can even make Armat did something better than he did. Why am I not the GOAT? That's what LeBron is thinking. Yeah, that's true to a large part. That is correct. But it's hard for you to compete against a guy who has six springs, hasn't lost in the finals, and is perfection in as far as career accolades are concerned. I mean, it's just 
And and the thing about it is not only did Michael Jordan beat guys, he took away their manlyhood. I mean, look at Carl Malone. Carl Malone is somebody that is in basically in hiding and comes out from time to time, but he's a shell of who he used to be. And I'm telling you, if he had won a championship against Michael Jordan, one or two of them, he would not be in hiding. He would not be living the way he's living right now. I just I find it hard to believe that a guy who's as great as he was is in that much shell of who he is. And I think a lot of part and parcel was the losses that he had to Michael Jordan. And, you know, Michael Jordan had to beat him at towards the end of his career. And he had to beat the bad boys. I mean, if you watch that documentary, The Last Dance, if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, you watch The Last Dance, that was so beautifully done. And it really tells you everything you need to know about Michael Jordan. So I would say Michael Jordan is going to hold the GOAT title, but LeBron is making a very, very close second, and he's also actually brilling up a very unique, different category that is LeBron James. But I just don't see him being that ultimate GOAT. I just don't feel as if people give him that same clout and that respect that Jordan has. You can even see that in the All-Star game the way they treated and uh, admired Jordan, just his presence. And and let it be known that I'll go on record as saying that I I just think off the field, not when the camera's rolling, LeBron James is actually a much nicer guy than Michael Jordan is, meaning LeBron is more approachable. LeBron will, you know, if you find him, he'll sign it. He'll definitely sign an autograph. Pictures, he'll he'll do a picture too. Michael Jordan... You know, someone told me that Michael Jordan was at the Daytona 500, which I was just there, and I wasn't, and the person you could tell was surprised that I wasn't, like, starstruck and wasn't, like, all excited to see him, like, and asking out 20 questions, where is he, where is he, where is he? I was like, okay. And the person was like, like, why is this guy not surprised or shocked or ready to cut a backflip asking me, where is he at? And the reason being, because I've seen Michael Jordan before. I know how he treats people off camera. You know, you getting an autograph from him is nil. You getting a picture is even less than nil. And I've seen it. You know, um, I was actually one-on-one with Michael Jordan for an autograph, and he told me, you know, not not verbally, but body language, basically, nah, bro, you got a better shot of hitting the Powerball than getting this autograph. I mean, you get his body language was a, was a definitive 110% no. And I think his no was probably the biggest slam dunk that I've ever got. People love signing autographs for me, and I love them signing autographs for me too, but I, I've gotten thousands of autographs, and I've never had somebody definitively tell me with their body language, not even saying a word, basically keep the, keep the item in your bag. And I was one-on-one with Michael Jordan, which is almost equivalent to winning a Powerball. To be one-on-one with Michael Jordan, that's unheard of. And he told me no, but prior to that, he was, you know, he was basically, to make a long story short, I won't say where he was at, but basically he was there for the whole weekend, a three-day weekend. And prior to that, he told everybody no to a picture, autographs, and this was some very attractive girls were even asking him. Like, he just doesn't do it. You know, he just, 
If you catch him in a great mood, possibly. He wins the Daytona 500. Um, what I mean by that is Bubba Wallace wins the Daytona 500. Yes, maybe you'll catch him in a great mood. I will never say never in life. But the chance of you getting a picture or an autograph from Michael Jordan is very slim. LeBron is not the case. LeBron is – I've gotten LeBron's autograph. He's very, very fan-friendly when time allows, of course. But as far as the GOAT comparison, you know, Michael Jordan's got it. And that's going to be the way it's going to be for, for some time unless – LeBron wins a championship this year, and he pulls out another one next year. I think people will forget that he lost those in the, in the those other finals. If he's able to tie tie Le, if he's able to tie Jordan, I feel he will get that goat title. But without at least getting six, I think it's going to be a hard case for LeBron James to make, especially with the loss in the final. Is it fair? No. I mean, he had J.R. Smith. <laughs> I mean, and no, you know, I love J.R. Smith. I love what he's doing in, in college and everything. And golf, he's doing his thing. I love also what he had to say. Also, uh, just the other day about how, you know, players love to rather waste money at the club than go ahead and help the community. He's absolutely right. But one thing got nothing to do with another. When it came down to crunch time, J.R. Smith forgot the score, and he blew LeBron chances of winning that game and winning the series. So that wouldn't happen if he was on the Bulls. Having said that, Michael Jordan is going to hold the title at least, at least for now. But uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about the Major League Baseball, what's going on there. Again, if you want to chime in, the phone number is 516-418-5572. 516-418-5572. So we'll go ahead and talk about the uh, Major League Baseball lockout, and I'll get get uh, your thoughts on that too. But let me go ahead and discuss first before the lockout, what happened this week was Derek Jeter stepped down as the Marlins CEO, and that happened about a day, I would have to say about less than 24 hours, or right around 24 hours before Major League Baseball announced that they were going to cancel the first two series. So, congratulations to Derek to Derek Jeter for at least making the right choice. You know, I really feel bad for Derek in this case, being a Yankee fan and admiring Derek Jeter. The reason why I feel bad for Derek in this case is because he was the Marlins CEO. He was a part-time owner of 4%. He was five years into this, and I know he he dreamt he dreamt of being an owner, a baseball owner. This is one of those cases in life that you kind of wish for something, you dream for something, but when you actually get what you dreamed of, it wasn't actually what you thought it was going to be. And this is what happened with Derek Jeter. He wanted to be an owner. He was able to achieve that goal. One of the few minority owners, if not the minority owner, in the major leagues, and it, it just wasn't what it's cracked up to be. I feel as if this business proposition, you know, he's not going to publicly say it, but I believe Michael, I believe Derek Jeter lost money on this deal. I don't see how he 
made any money in his five-year tenure. He, he probably lost millions because let's look at it. Just recently, the last two years, you had to deal with COVID. So you had no fans. You had canceling of seasons. You had a shortened 60-game season. Then you had, prior to that, no fans. And now you're coming into a full season, and you have a labor dispute with a lockout. And that's over the last two years. And prior to that, right as, as Derek Jeter started, he let John Carlos Stanton go. So that was your biggest gate attraction to get fans in. And at that time, they had a losing record. So I just feel as if Derek really felt as if things were going to be a lot different with him being who he is, a great player, Hall of Famer, having a lot of clout with the Yankees, that that was going to transcend to the players. And then he was going to maybe in three to four years have a winning team, winning product, I remember an interview was being very skeptical and Derek wasn't buying it. He thought for sure he was going to be gung-ho and, and making it to something, but it didn't turn out the way he thought it was going to be. So it, in Derek's case, I, you know, I, I feel as if he seen that this was not going to go the way he wanted, you know, being a 4% owner of a corporation, it's hard for you to kind of get your way when you want things to go certain ways because you just don't have that kind of stakeholder in it. And you could tell that the ownership was trying to make moves to make some more money. Derek, who's been a player, kind of sided a little bit with the players. And I don't think he was all about, you know, getting money per se. He wanted to get money, but I think he wanted to be more fair. And I felt as if this is this is giving you what I've kind of read and kind of my synopsis of everything Derek really wasn't getting what he wanted and and as far as making moves the, the ownership was going in a different direction what Derek kind of sided with so Derek did the right thing and he stepped down because and that right there that move of Derek stepping down a day or two before they announced they're going to cancel two series that right there let me know that they were going to cancel a couple series and they were not going to come to agreement to save the 162 games. Derek stepping down in his timing and that statement really let me know that they were really far apart from making a deal. Derek probably did not want that to happen. And thus he said, you know what? Things are going way south for me. This is going to be another year basically of losing funds. I'm just going to just cut my losses and just do something else. And that's what Derek did. You know, I, I can't blame him. I imagine being an owner is not easy, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's one of those things that in life sometimes you dream of something and you really want it, and it's not what you dreamt it was going to be. And that was the case here. As far as the major league lockout situation, Mike Trout made a statement saying, hey, I want to play. We love the fans, but we're going to be basically, I'm just paraphrasing, we're going to go ahead and fight this. We're going to strike for the generation of players that are coming up to make sure they're done right. And if it was up to us, we would play. I somewhat agree with that. Meaning, yes, I do believe he, you know, Mike Trout wants to play, but I don't believe this is all for the generation that's coming up. 
this to me is about greed on both sides. The players want more money. They want more revenue. They want more leverage. The owners want more money. They want more player. And they want to give the players less leverage. So this is about money. It's about ego. It's not really about the generations that are coming up. Okay? Let me let you know right there. Okay? Because if, if it is about the generations that are coming up, Mike Trout is making over $300 million contract. If a player comes up 10 years from now, $300 million now is probably $500 million 10 years from now. That player that underneath the same agreement you have now, if nothing changed, let's say, would make $500 million or they would make $400 million, if, if, let's say if it was less. So the point being is, you you are doing this for yourself. Don't 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 say that you're doing this for the generation to come up because I'm not buying that. It's it's for you, what your situation can be like, how you can improve your leverage. The owners are doing what they can do to recoup some of the money they have lost over the last couple of years. You know, it's those COVID cutbacks. We see it today. You know, businesses that used to be a dollar, dollar, dollar tree is now dollar twenty five. You know, not getting political, but we all know prices are going up, gas prices are going up. And and you know this is coming because you had a situation where we had COVID, a lot of worker stoppage, people not going out as much, corporations lost money. So as soon as things started reopening, you notice that the prices are going up. So this is about greed on both sides. You have millionaire players fighting against billionaires, you know. And to me, this has always been a problem with baseball, greed. You know, we, we talked about this before. How much is enough? How much money is enough? Obviously, it's not. It's never enough. You know, with me, I look at it like this. If you have enough money to pay all your bills, to live in a nice house, have peace in your house, you have enough money to go ahead and feed people in your community, take care of associations, take care of charitable givings, you're blessed. So all this extra excess money that you have, is is it really for you or is it to help other people? I mean, to me, it's like it's to the epitome of greed, okay? It's like you're rich, but yet you want to find a way to hustle another dollar, another 50 cents, another quarter, another $10, another million, but you're already rich. So that other million, besides you caring about it, whether you get or not, in the long run, it's not really going to make a big difference to you, meaning you're already rich. You already are blessed. That million dollars would be look nice on your bank account. Yes, anybody would look nicer, but it's not a million dollars that you would really use in a way that would help other people. It would just be more money in your bank account collected interest. And you're already rich. So to me, it's like, okay, it's really just extra excess. That's what you're fighting for, extra excess. Because you have enough resources to do everything you ever want to do in life. And then some. So to me, it's just greed. It, there's faults on both sides. And that's why a deal's not made. And it's probably not going to be made, I would say, for a little bit because What's really going to make this deal done is guys started getting hurt in the pocket, 
That's number one. And then somebody compromising, which is ego, which is number two. That's the second part of it. Money is one big part. Ego is the other. This deal will be done when someone's pockets are hurt enough and they're able to realize that and say, okay, I need to curb my pride a bit and make a deal happen. But baseball, you know, this is this is a recurring theme with baseball. So my question to the owners and the players, what is – how much money do you need? You know, how much do you really need? A million here, a million there, yes, it is money. I get it. But in the long run, what are you going to do with that money? Buy yourself some extra jewelry? Buy yourself some extra toys? Is it really money that you really need? It's not like you're going to take the million dollars and use it to, like J.R. Smith said, feed the community. If you're fighting for that, hey, more power to you. But most of these guys, that's not what they're fighting for. It's really just a notch on their, notch on their belt. So I hope they get things together that we can get to baseball. It's unfortunate because there was a great deal that they had just given me to get some tickets through the school and it was a, basically a $70 value for $18 a ticket. And my wife was like, yo, jump on those tickets. Go get them before they sell out. And I was like, well, let's hold off a moment till at least Monday to see if they're going to be a strike or not. If they make a deal by Monday, sure, I'll go ahead and buy those tickets. But I'm not going to go ahead and buy some tickets that I got to go run around, you know, and there's a strike. Go ahead and try to get a refund. You know, so I've actually been in that process before, and I didn't want to do it again. So I said, let's just wait till Monday. And it took a lot of convincing because it's such a great deal. You know how women see a great deal. They want you to jump on it. I said, let's just wait till Monday. Showing off, no deal was reached, and they're going to cancel the first two series. So that game was in early April. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. So if I am, I'll go ahead and buy those tickets, but it's not looking too good. So that's a personal story about Major League Baseball and what's going on. But, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's the case there with Major League Baseball. They just, Major League Baseball just can't get out of its own way. And it, just, it doesn't surprise me. It's, it's just amusing, but it's something that you see it all the time. And um, I did want to go ahead and – Switch gears and just say, hey, so who's who does the blame? Well, the owners and players are to blame. Both of them are to blame. There was some talks involving Tom Brady this week, and he did make some comments that, you know, he <laughs> he made some comments that he's going to reevaluate after he's been hanging with his family for five weeks and kind of see where he's at. That type of comment is not a guy that sounds like he wants to stay retired. You counting the weeks that you're spending time with your family? I mean, I know Tom is analytical, but come on now. If you're thinking about retirement and you're serious about that, you need to think less about your former employer. That's what you need to do. But to him... I find him as being an ultra-competitive guy. I feel as if the right situation and timing lined up for him. Yes, I do believe 
he would come back. And um, I know Charles Woodson in his press conference during the Daytona 500, which I was so grateful enough to be in that press conference, they asked him his opinion, and he said uh, Tom doesn't do things on a whim. Charles Woodson believes that Tom Brady's done. I, I do feel as if when the announcement probably was made, Tom felt that he was done. But I think now the reality is starting to seep in. You're going to, you know, take it from somebody who's retired myself. You know, the reality is you're going to spend time with the family, which is a lot of fun. It's a lot more laid back. It's relaxing. It's enjoying. But a guy that's highly competitive like Tom Brady, he's always thinking, hey, if I'm playing now, how, what type of season would I have? What, what type of year would I have? Will we make it to the Super Bowl? To him, he's always thinking that, hey, the time I'm investing in my family is time that I'm taking away from my opportunity to get another ring. So I don't think Tom Brady is done playing. I said it all along. I don't think he was was ready to retire. I think he needed to play at least another year. Not two years. I think he needed to play at least another year and then evaluate. So I think Tom Brady, let me give you the breaking news. I think Tom Brady has a good shot of coming back. I think it's I don't think it's twenty percent, I think it's more fifty fifty that can raise up to about eighty, ninety percent if the right situation came about. If if he gets if he feels that he's gonna come back and have a legitimate shot of winning another ring, that would be the determining factor. Because I I I've been saying all along, I you know, he was very productive. Yes, he lost against the Rams, but he was a very productive quarterback throughout the year. I, I even if he let's say his skills went down a little bit, I still think he had enough in his tank to win another Super Bowl. I'll even go as far as saying that with Tom Brady, even if he played another year and he, let's say he was 10% or 15%, let's say number-wise, not as good as he was the year before, I would still give you the argument that he still would have been much better than what Peyton Manning was throughout his last year of playing when he won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning, when he uh, won a Super Bowl, he was really a game manager. He couldn't really throw the ball 20, 25 yards down the field accurately and with strength. His arm was really, really, his arm strength was really, really got away from him. And I, I don't feel Tom would have been in that situation. And yet, you know, he Peyton Manning was on a very good team, a defensive-minded team. He didn't hurt himself during the Super Bowl, and he got another ring out of it. And then he retired. You know, he went out on top. So if I was if I was Tom Brady, you had some time with the family, you relaxed, somebody gives you a call and they give you a great situation, you weren't ready to retire anyway, I would go ahead and do it. The difference between me and Tom Brady, I would say in retirement, was that when I retired, I thought about it for like two to three years. And when I retired, I was ready. I was ready to retire. I was ready to retire, and the timing wasn't right. I don't feel as if I left late. I don't feel as if I left early. I felt as if I left at the right time. But it was something I thought about 
seriously for the last two to three years, put a lot of thought into it. I don't feel as if Tom put that much thought into it. I feel as if it was kind of a rush decision and a bit of a emotional decision. Mine was not an emotional or rush decision. It was something I thought about methodically for the last two to three years. I don't feel Tom was in that same situation. So, yes, I do think there's a very, very good shot. Tom Brady does come back with the right situation. And um, I wanted to go ahead and give you guys up to date on some, uh, some, some boxing news. So let me do that for you. Yeah, we got some great boxing news. First, I definitely wanted to thank the people that came on our show this week. Big week for interviews. You know, so this is an exciting week. We had the great sports promoter Jake Ellis came on the show, did his thing. You can see that interview right here on our Facebook page. You can also see it on YouTube, too. Did a Zoom interview. Fantastic interview. Learn about being a promoter. Learn about how much work goes behind the scenes promoting a fight. A lot of talks here in the States is that promoters take all the money. They're not needed. Hey, I'll tell you, after talking with Jake Ellis, I would have to disagree. You know, the man started at 18. He lost a lot of money. He was really passionate, but, you know, he had to kind of catch up with his passion and learning the business. So he lost his shirt and then some, but he kept hanging in there. And now he gets sponsors. You just definitely should check out his story. It just goes to show you, you just can't quit. You got to keep going through the, the tough times. If you're passionate about something, you'll learn as you go along, and then things will turn around. That's what happened. So big props to Jake Ellis for being on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. I also wanted to thank ring announcer, Lieutenant Dan Hennessy. Big time ring announcer, Lieutenant Dan Hennessy. And he does um, ring announcing in New Zealand, Australia, and he leaves him doing gigs here in the U.S. So he's all over the place. He's doing big things. Check out that interview also on Facebook or YouTube. And um, <laughs> I guess I got a $5,000 discount because I was able to convince him to do a ring announcing right there during that interview. He said I owe 5000 because at least now you know what the uh, price is, <laughs> the roundaround price for a ring announcer is. But, yes, he did it. did an awesome job, awesome interview, very enjoyable, very fun interview. Check it out. Make sure you check it out. Check out that interview with Lieutenant Dan Hennessy. We thank him so much for joining us on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. You know, and um, I definitely wanted to uh, mention something to the boxing fans out there. I definitely want to mention this. You are fake news. Well, the reason why I say this is fake news is I'm not going to mention the name. But I interviewed a boxer right after they had lost by technical knockout. Okay, it was the first time I actually interviewed someone right after a loss. And in the interview, they basically said the reason why they lost was because they felt as if their cup was on too tight. They had a cup that was too small. 
And because of that cup being too small, they could not do their lateral movement. Now, being that I used to play baseball, I played sports, I can tell you that if you have a cup that's too big, and I have never one that was worn too too small. I've had ones that were kind of a little too snug, but it wasn't too small. I have, you know, a wore that was too big. It's uncomfortable. Yes, having a cup that's either too small or too large can be uncomfortable. I will say that much. But if you don't have the right size cup and that limits your performance, that ultimately is on you. You know, if you – one of the things that you got to do as a boxer is be well-prepared. Know exactly what uniform you're going to wear, your shorts, your shoes, your socks. Do a, tr- a dry run. Put them on. Move around in them. Jump around in them. See if you feel comfortable. I will say this much. Whether you're playing – basketball, baseball, football, golf, any sport that you're playing, you have to feel comfortable and confident. Those two things, comfortable and confident with your equipment. Best way to do that is to try it on. Make sure you have it available for you. Not only that, have more than one. Have two cups, two mouthpieces. Two pairs of shoes. It might sound redundant, but hey, this is your prize money. This is your livelihood. You can't leave it to fail. You know, it's kind of like if you travel. If you travel and you're going to be a commentator and you know that you're only going to have a suit for one event, I would always pack two suits because just in case something happens, you spill something on the suit. You notice something is wrong with the suit that you had ideally had in mind to wear. You have to have a backup plan. That's why when I, I travel, and if I'm going for two days, I pack as if I'm going for four days, just in case. So I'll, I'll bring, instead of two other shirts, I'll double up, bring four or five, even if it's a one- or two-day trip, just because you want to be prepared. So, yes, I will say this much. I do think the cup was uncomfortable for him. I do think having the wrong type of equipment in that area can affect you, but ultimately you cannot use that as an excuse for your losing. As bad as I felt for him, I I couldn't give him the benefit of doubt of saying, okay, well, because your cup was on, I'm going to let that slide that you lost by TKO. I couldn't do that. I would say, you know what? This is a lesson learned for you. Wear a cup that fits you properly. And try it on prior to. So it kind of goes to the Deontay Wilder thing. Deontay Wilder, when he lost to, to Fury the second time, he had the opportunity to wear a suit, an LED suit, going into the ring, and he wanted to support the brotherhood. The brothers were, were basically designing this, this uh, outfit for him. They were going through all this work to go ahead and design it for him. They made it. And guess what? The suit was heavy. It weighed for what was reported 40, 50 pounds because you needed to have the light, the power source for this LED costume for him to walk 
throughout the ring. And by the time he took the suit off, he had had a workout. You know, just imagine you wearing a a vest, a weighted vest. People do that to get a workout in. Well, he had he he had one that was actually heavier than that, and he was moving around it. Do I feel as if that that affected his performance? Yes, I do. I would I say it's a legitimate excuse. No, you can't use it as an excuse because you should have already prepped for this. You should have already checked into this. These details matter. Hey, uh, I know that this thing is operated by LEDs. How heavy is this suit going to be on? How heavy is the suit? Number one. Number two, how long do I have to wear this suit? Okay. The suit weighs about 40, 50 pounds, and you have to wear it for about 15 minutes. Well, get yourself a suit, you know, put on a padded shirt or, you know, vest that weighs 50 pounds. See how you feel after wearing it. 15 20 minutes if you feel as if hey i feel like i just had a workout i'm kind of wore out then you learned your lesson that this is not something you should be wearing before a fight so yes i could see how that could be an issue but you still cannot use that as an excuse if you lose a fight because you were wearing a suit that was too heavy and it you know you felt winded or wore out before the fight started that's on you. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to buy your excuse. You know, yes, I do feel as if it could affect you. Yes, you should have, you know, prepared for that prior to the fight. But no, I'm not going to say, oh, you lost a fight because of you win a weighted suit. Same thing with my man. I'm not going to mention his name. I cannot say you lost a fight because your cup was on too tight. You should have prepared for that. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to let you guys know this thing, and this will help you whether you're in sports, you're in life, anything you do going forward. There's five P's to life that you should always, always remember. Okay? Five P's to life. I'm going to give you those five P's right now. The five piece of life is proper preparation prevents poor performance. Five piece of life. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. In life, you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. You understand? That's what these things are. To me, having a cup that's on too tight is showing a lack of preparation. Wearing a suit that's too heavy that you have to wear for 15, 20 minutes because of introduction, and after you take it off, you feel winded or tired or exhausted, again, lack of preparation. You did not prepare or think about these details prior to. It's just like this. I had went to a boxing event right here, 15, 20 minutes, uh, let's say 20 minutes away from my house, 22 minutes away, real close and convenient. And it was a great event. You'll see all those pictures on the Facebook page. Had some big-time celebrities there. Roy Jones Jr. You had Antonio Tarver, Juan Manuel Marquez. 
and yeah, Paulie Marginali. They all teamed up to start our Pro Box Promotions. They had a great event. I was able to go to their first fight. They're going to have another one March 25th. I'm hoping to be at that one too. I'm still working out the details with the promotional company, Media Access. But um, it was a great event. And we did a, here at the Ellen and Aaron Sports, a greater show. We did a great job covering and making the most out of little bit of opportunities that we had. I mean, when I say little bit of opportunities, I didn't have a full media pass. So I wasn't able to go backstage and get some more interviews and that, that sort. But what I did, I made the most of what I had. But even in that situation where you end up having success, tremendous amount of success, I've been already planning for the next event, March 25th, of how I could even do better than I did in a time that we had a lot of success. And I thank God for giving us that success, but that's what you guys deserve. You deserve the very, very ultra best from us all the time. So I was already thinking about how can I improve on my equipment? How can I improve on my networking, interviews, all facets, engagement, you're connecting with people, even exchanging phone numbers. How can I improve for the next event that's coming up March 25th? That's going to be in another three weeks. Hey, that is part of preparation, and that's what you need to do. I've already, you know, I got some headphones to make it so that I can at least uh, talk a little bit clearer during the show if I have to call during the show. I've also got... You know, I had got a laptop box uh, bag, a little bit improved bag that has a little bit more weight. It is also lighter. So little things like this, little tweaks. I even got a, a you know, a, a monopad so that instead of me holding the camera as steady as I can, which I was doing a pretty good job of doing it, now I could mount it to the ground to give me a little bit more leverage so I want to hold it as much and I can hold it steadier. So working smarter, not harder, but all these inc- in these little tweaks are done to improve and they're done to improve my by equipment you need to have great equipment and be confident in your equipment if you're not confident in your equipment you need to change it so proper preparation prevents poor performance if you prepare for anything in life you do a great job at it with your preparation you'll do great you'll do awesome so just be prepared you can't use equipment as excuse, even if it's a valid reason, like it did make you tired, it did, you know, your cup was on too tight, you couldn't, like he would say, you couldn't have all your lateral movement, which is probably true. You wear a cup that's too tight, but at the same token, yes, but no, I cannot use that as a, as a valid excuse as to why you lost and lost by TKO too. So I did want to go ahead and and let you guys know some other boxing news. You know, we have uh, some big things coming up in boxing, which is really, really cool. So I'll go ahead and give you up to date on that. You know, Tim Zhu is going to be fighting in Minnesota later this month, and he's not going to be fighting 
Jamel Charlo, which I'm actually glad he's not because I, I don't feel as if, you know, with all due respect, Tim was ready for, for Charlo. Uh, we've had, I've interviewed, you know, I've had, I was in a press conference and Charlo was there. And I've watched a lot of Charlo's fights, Jamel Charlo. I just feel as if in order for Tim to really be a solid competitor against him, he needs to have at least two to three more fights and build up a little bit of, of the boxing skill set because I feel as if right now it might be a little bit too much for him to handle Charlo. Charlo had an off night against Castano, I feel, and it, when they fight again in the rematch, what they're scheduled to later this year, I feel as if Jamel Charlo is going to win that fight. And without a doubt, I feel Jamel is going to win that fight. Uh, he had an off night. Castano did really well. In fact, he should have won that fight by an up, upset, but it was a draw. Luckily for Jamel Charlo, it was a draw, which he really should have, it should have been his first loss. It wasn't, but I don't think lightning strikes in a bottle twice. I think Castano had the night of all nights. He shocked the world and he should have been awarded the win. This is one of the problems with boxing is that people just can't seem to get it right. And instead of him getting the win, he got a draw. And when they fight again, Jamel Charlo is gonna he's gonna do his thing. He's gonna do his thing and beat him. It's just it's just one of those things where, you know, you had an off night and that's what happened. He had an off night. So <laughs> you know, Tim Zhu, he's gonna have a fight in the US, so I wish him luck. I think uh He'll be successful. I think he'll win this next fight. He gets two to three more fights underneath his belt. Yeah, I think then you could probably challenge Charlo to a very competitive fight. But to fight him next, I think it would have been it would have been the wrong decision. So this actually works out better. And I definitely want to wish Tim Zhu a lot of success in his upcoming fight. We'll keep you up to date on that. And uh, there was a lot of controversy also this week with Josh Taylor and his fight. And um, <laughs> I'll give you my thoughts on that, too. You know, they say that their boxing in this fight here was, um, you know, it, it's one of those things. That's what boxing, people hate about boxing, is that um, he really, to me, Josh Taylor lost his fight. He lost his fight, and that's one. And when I say about that, he, against Jack Cottrell, you know, he, he lost the fight. I feel as if it was a very close fight, but I, I feel as if at the end of the day, when I was scoring it, Josh Taylor lost. And the majority of people could say that he lost by at least two, maybe even three points. And yet, since they did fight in Josh Taylor's hometown, he got the win. And you know, that's why people dislike boxing is that you always feel as if there's an agenda when it comes to the final decision. And let it be, let the truth be told that, yeah, if you're fighting somebody in their hometown as a fighter, there's one thing that you have on your mind. I have to win this fight by convincing amount. 
so if you take a fight and you're fighting someone else's hometown and you don't feel as if you can win the fight in convincing factors, convincing fashion where it is without a doubt you won the fight, don't take it. I know that money is dangling in front of you and is looking real attractive, but unless you can accept the loss in a close fight, don't take the fight because history has shown that if the fight is somewhat close, you're not going to get the, the you're going to get the short end of the stick. You know, if it's somewhat close, you're not going to win the fight. That's just if you're fighting someone else's hometown. If you take a fight, I'm not saying you're going to have to knock the guy out. I mean, you're going to have to try to knock him out for sure. I know uh, my good friend Joe Camco Camilleri says. Knocking out somebody is a lot easier said than done, and I agree with him. But you're going to have to have that mindset. I'm going to try to knock him out. If you don't knock him out, you have to win convincingly the rounds. So, yes, you can still win a fight without knocking the guy out, but every round in your repertoire, you got to try to win the fight. You know, you cannot afford to make rounds close. And I know it's easier said than done, but you can't really afford to take a round or two off and say, okay, let me just give this round here. No, you got to try to win round by round by round. You cannot take a round off when you're fighting in somebody else's hometown because if it's somewhat close or reasonable close, you're going to get the short end stick. You're going to lose. It happened to Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor won the fight against Cantrell. Okay, Cottrell was fighting in Josh Taylor's hometown and lost. A lot of people, 95% of the people who watched that fight felt Josh Taylor lost. But yet, he still holds on to his belt and he's still undefeated. And then again, because the fight was somewhat close. It wasn't, it was, to me, I would have to say it was, it was, Cottrell I felt won convincingly, but it was borderline convincingly. So it's, and that's why Josh Taylor won. Then you look at Brandon Jacobs. You you have a situation where again it's a it's a, a close fight, very close fight, and you, you end up fighting in someone else's hometown. And guess what? You lost. And, and it's not that you did anything wrong, but you made the fight close. And that's what it is. You know when you make a fight close. Here in, in you're fighting in, in someone else's hometown, Daniel Jacobs, you know, when he when he fought and he lost the fight. And it seemed as if as the fight went on, the miracle man was starting to get tired and he started making rounds close and close and close. And you know, I, I feel as if, you know, when he fought John Ryder that he did win the fight. Yes, I do believe you won the fight, but you made the fight close. As a fight, you kind of won like the early rounds convincingly. But around like the fifth or sixth round, you started coasting. And then when I say coasting, John started getting some more punches in on you. He started doing better as the fight progressed. And he made the later, you know, from rounds, let's say, seven on, on in, very, very close. And not only that, you lacked in your aggressiveness and your production. You were a lot more aggressive when you fought Canelo. And yes, I know you were missing a lot of punches on Canelo, but you needed to have that same 
passion, that same aura, that go-get-em type attitude. I felt as if after four rounds, even though you're winning those first four to five rounds convincingly, I felt like, all right, I got this in a bag. Let me just coast the rest of the way through. Anybody's watching this fight would know that I won. Well, no, you did win the early part of the fight convincingly, but around the middle of the fight, you were really your your output went down a good twenty percent, twenty five percent. He started stepping up the enthusiasm, and then he started having a, some more success against you. So you couple your, your lower production with him now hitting some more punches on you. Guess what? The fight was very very close. And being that it was close, I said, John Ryder's going to get the decision because you made it very close because your output went down. Lo and behold, guess what happened? You lost the fight on a fight that people could say you won. You lost because you fought in someone else's hometown and you made the fight reasonably close. I would have to say you didn't make it reasonably close. You made it very close. So when it was very close, yeah. You're not gonna get the you're gonna get the short end of the stick. You gotta you gotta I, I mean, again. Yes, I agree with Joel Camco Camilleri that it's easier said than done to knock someone out. I agree with that. However, if you don't knock the guy out, you have the very minimum have to win the rounds convincingly. It cannot be close. Yes, you may not put them on the canvas. I get it. It's hard to put down guys on a canvas especially when you're fighting much better competition, their defense is better, they can take punches better. You know, there is exception to the rule on that. I won't mention the name, but there are some guys who have glass chins. But most of the veteran guys know how to get out of trouble. They know how to hold. They know how to use their body weight. They know how to smother their opponent. So they are harder to knock out. Not that you can't, but it's much harder. Having said that, you made the fight close, and because of that, you lost the fight. So, other boxing news, you know, we're going to go ahead and March 25th, we're going to go ahead and do our best to support and show up and Hopefully, you know, I pray that we get the media passes so we can do an even better job for the fight to support Antonio Tarver and crew right here in Central Florida. I love what they're doing. They're bringing boxing to Central Florida. I really hope they give us media passes. I feel as if we can have a great relationship with them, a great partnership as far as us bringing more attention to the fight, us bringing a lot more media attention. And help them out because, you know what, it was a great event, but I know how people and boxing and how they go. It starts off fresh and hot in the beginning. It's kind of like a rocket ship. You see all the flames and it starts off great, but as, as it starts to lift off and get some distance and fly away, people seem to forget about it. And that's why you need media support. You need people to kind of keep bringing in new faces, keep advertising it for you, keep it going. You cannot advertise one of the biggest mistakes I see boxers make and boxers promoters make, which I'll discuss now, is they feel as if because they have their people, that's good enough for 
the media that's good enough for getting the word out there. No, it's not. It's not good enough because that's your people advertising on one network. You need multiple sources. You need people who can let people know about an event that's not connected to you. You see what I'm saying? That's why you need other media outlets. You need other people, other sources, so that it's kind of like a post. When you put a post and you share it with your friends, yes, a lot of your friends are going to see it. But things, in order for things to go viral, some of your friends need to see it, and then they need to share it. They need to share the information to others. Then they share it to someone else. And instead of your friends list maybe having five to 600 friends seeing it, now you're going to have 30, 40, 50,000 people see it. And that's why you need to use other media sources. Because anybody connected to the Alan and Aaron Aaron show, Alan and Aaron show will now say, oh, wow, I didn't realize that they were doing boxing in Central Florida. Whereas me, I, I work in the industry, I follow you because you're a promoter, but somebody who is not in the industry is more than likely not going to follow you. So you can't just use your own media to advertise an event. That's a mistake. The other mistake that I see a lot of pro boxers making, this is without fail. Boxers make this mistake. A lot of athletes make this mistake. A lot of entertainers make this mistake. And you might say, what's that mistake? The mistake that I see a lot of, let's just use the example, boxers, is that they will instantly go to your Instagram page, look how many followers you have or followers you don't have, and make the determining factor based on that of whether you're a person of interest or whether you are popular or whether you can help them out. And that is a major mistake I see a lot of athletes making. You can take me, for example. I started on Instagram very, very late. I have a big, you know, we have big-time Facebook following. We have other social media networks that we use. That's one of the mistakes that a lot of boxers use. They only use Instagram. You cannot market and promote yourself just based on Instagram. Even Teofimo Lopez said to Haiti, Haiti was like, well, I have 100,000 followers. And he was like, well, see, <coughs> that's the problem with society. People are wrapped in time and he follows you have on Instagram. First of all, you can buy followers on Instagram. And just because you have a lot of followers on Instagram doesn't mean because all these people are following you that that's going to equate to success. That's why you need to market on other platforms because you're putting your eggs in one basket. And not only that, Instagram is not the end-all, be-all in social media. You know, you can look at somebody who has 200 followers, but yet – they know how to market really good on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok. You understand? There are such a thing where you're stronger on certain networks because of the message you deliver or you're just more comfortable that you bring a lot of value. 
So instantly they'll look at your Instagram followers. Oh, he only has this. He only has this little bit of followers. That event, for example, the event that we did covering the event here with Antonio Tarver had over 80,000 views across the social networks, if not even, if anything, more than that, because we knew how to promote it through other venues. We did put it on Instagram, but not just Instagram. You see what I'm saying? You cannot just look at Instagram, one social media market, and say, oh, this is the spot. And that's what I see a lot of boxers do. They'll, they'll try to connect with me. They'll ask me for my Instagram, or they'll, they'll tell me their Instagram. I'll follow them, and they, of course, won't follow you back. But they think that they're cool, and now they're going to be successful because of that. No, you're not going to be successful because of that. You're not going to be successful because you have a bunch of Instagram followers. You need to do more than just promote on Instagram. Okay, to me, I look at Instagram as fake popularity contest. That's how I look at it. Yes, you know, if you're a very attractive girl and you get in a bikini or you get down to your, you know, your bare bones, you're going to get a lot of followers. But if you, let's say, stumble across a, a product where you need somebody to support you, are those people that, that's following you going to really support you? More than likely, No. But if you're on Facebook or other platforms, you probably will have a better opportunity to sell something because now you're going to see people are not going to just look at you as just, quote, quote, an object. They're going to look at you as a person more than they are an object because when you post on something like Facebook, you could show pictures more. When you describe a picture or describe how you're feeling, it conveys itself more it, it can get based up better. And you might do a video that people see and they can put comments. And if you reply back to those comments, the more it jumps up to the top of the news feed. So the point is don't look at someone's value just on the amount of, you know, followers they have on Instagram because that is misleading and that is not marketing. Take it from a marketing manager marketing major, you cannot just post on one social media platform. When we post something up, we post it on all social media platforms, and depending on the social media that we're putting it up on, we adjust the message because we want to maximize the post views, the effectiveness of it. Don't just look at Instagram. And another thing that I see a lot of boxes make, they look at views they look at i'm sorry likes they look at likes and we have a caller that's calling in let's take that call welcome to the allen and aaron sports radio show Alan, is that you it sure is how you doing here lou a little late but i'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm not at home but i thought i'd give a call anyway i thought it was i thought it was too late it's never too late for you lou I'm glad you called in. I'm glad to have you here on the show. You're very yeah. welcome. How you been? Well, with the exception of the baseball season, I'm out there going completely. I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they already canceled two seasons. You're very smart, Lou. Do you think? Do you think we're going to have a season this year? 
I do. I don't think. I mean, as stupid as Manfred is, I don't think he's that stupid when a whole season go by. For as many players willing to budge, you know that's a problem. I mean, you had a deal in place on Tuesday. You, t- I don't get. But how do you talk for eight straight days and get nothing done? Oh, no. oh we talked for sixteen hours. Oh, and we got a lot done. Okay, here's a final proposal. Uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Can you explain that? Oh, we made significant progress today. I think we can make a deal. And guess what? Uh, I don't know. I think we have to make this deal. Sorry. I mean, really, the, the whole the whole thing is the whole thing was just confusing. Yeah, I agree with you. What a, I guess what a mess. It is a mess. And and who do you feel is to blame with this? Joe Buck. Do you feel it's yeah, blame? Joe Buck for Fox. <laughs> no, I think you're both to blame, really. You know, I don't always look at you know who is really to blame. Like one side is more to blame. Or I think you're both at fault. You both, you know, you both the one come to understand. You didn't even talk about it until the last week. You're, you're both at fault. I. It's, it's really tough to say, you know, how you can blame the owners more, you can blame the players more. You both can come to a decision. Therefore, it's on both of your hands. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I agree. Yeah, I, everybody's I like, oh, who started you on? You're like, you know, it's like when you it's like when a couple breaks up. Oh, is it the, is it the, is it the boys for the girls? No, no, you both no, you broke up. Plain and simple. You don't necessarily blame one or the other. So it's the same thing, it's the same thing here. Can't, you really can't blame one or the other. Both of you could not come to a decision. Therefore, it's on both your hands, and that's right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're right. When, yeah. when you break up with somebody. It's not right, it's not right to play the blame game. I, I, don't, I don't do that. No, I agree with you. I, I agree. I think um, in any agreement, there's two sides. There's two sides. Like, you know, if you're willing to agree to what the other person is saying, or some would agree, yeah, it's going to be done quicker. You think it would? I mean, look. I mean, they've had close calls before. If you think back to 2002, they were within hours of striking. They made a deal. Same thing happened in uh, the last deal. They came in a few days. They got this done. But this time, they decided, no, we're gonna make we're gonna make it tough. We're gonna we're gonna make it a miserable. We're gonna make it miserable for everybody. And that's exactly what's doing so far. But is it official now? They came from the second series. I mean, oh yeah, well, it is actually, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, the second week. Not, not. The, they came to in the first week. They came to the second week yet. From what the sources say, they canceled the first two series. Yeah, but but two series equals one week. I mean, they canceled any more games beyond that yet? No, they haven't. They haven't announced any more okay. games beyond that as of yet. Okay. Okay, so it's still only just one week so far. I mean, one. I mean, one, two series plus one week in baseball. Right. So it's, it's still salvageable. Yeah. If they make a deal this week, okay, you might miss, uh, you know, three or four series, but instead of one fifty-two, yeah. it might be one fifty. Yeah, but of course, the something is easy agreed to it tomorrow, and you're still going to ratify it. That will still take a few days anyway. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make a deal within this next week. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll make I a deal. I think they'll make a deal, 
they won't cancel the whole season, but I think they're going to miss some more games is what I think. Yeah. I mean, they think they learned from the COVID, which caused them nearly the whole season anyway, but no. Yeah, it's just, so it's just faith the was, faith was really blue. Yeah. So this is about, in your opinion, about greed? Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It is. Millionaires trying to get more money. Yeah. Now, this is what Mike Trout said. He said he blames the owners. He really wants to play, but he's fighting for the generations coming up in baseball. Do you believe that? The way I see it, I don't know if the future generation is going to see much baseball because it seems like the younger generation isn't injured as much as baseball as we were. Yeah. You know, they're more like extreme sports and whatnot and uh, uh, doing other things that I'm not going to mention on this program. And you get the idea. I mean, baseball is losing this, is losing new generations when you really think about it, as uh, sad as it is. I mean, when we were young, well, when I was young, I should say, you know, baseball, uh, really all the kids paid attention to it. Yeah, there was basketball and hockey and whatnot. Football was, you know, starting to was starting to make it well itself known. Soccer was a big thing here, but over the last uh, 20, 25 years, baseball has really taken a back seat, and now it's even taking a back seat to basketball. I oh yeah, that. I definitely think baseball is more popular than basketball. No, basketball has become more popular than baseball now. Oh yeah, I, I agree with you. I definitely think, I yeah. definitely think basketball is more. Is more popular than baseball. Well, okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, because I, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just, um, you have more entertainment, more. It's just you don't have all these labor agreements. You know, baseball no. really hurts themselves all the time. Yeah, I mean, for this way, I think in another ten years, you'll be seeing those jeans on tape delay. Oh no! Oh boy. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just it's sad because you're right. When I was growing up, baseball was a thing. It was a national pastime. I don't feel as if people look at baseball like it's it's the national pastime. It was. I don't feel as if people look at that at all. I mean, if you're a diehard baseball player, sure, but those are few and far between. Let's just say that I think the national pastime is passing its time. No pun intended, but. You know. Yeah, there's I agree. No, there's and, and no we, same vibe as it was when we were young. There's no vibe. Yeah, you're right. I mean, people are playing other sports, and it's just it just doesn't have that same fire, and it's just it's just too too much greed. Too much greed is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, the number of games on broadcast TV have just, just dropped off. You know, back when we were young, well, you're from what you're from what area? Well, growing up, where'd you live? Right here in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, so you're like you're like me. And you you remember Channel Eleven with the Yankees and Channel Nine with the excuse me. So they had like about maybe like a 75, 80 games a year. Of course, games that weren't weren't televised at all. So I guess that's uh, something. But now they only strike about twenty games a year. Yeah. 
You're absolutely right. Yeah, so, and, and uh, Yucks and Yucks doesn't have much better either. You call it Fox, I call it Yucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Well, the only good thing about it is I only have to hear Joe Buck sing mouth for a while, so I something that's a little bit of a blessing, real quick. But uh, other than that, you know, you got you got to feel bad, you know, for the fans. You got to feel bad for the people who work at the stadium. So, uh, you know, it's, there's no there's no winner in this. There, there really is. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's no winners here. No. You know, with with a strike, it, it doesn't it doesn't help the sport. Doesn't help doesn't help either one of their cases. It's sad. It's really sad. Yes, me. I mean, all this uh, all this on uh, a luxury tax issue. I mean, really. You're absolutely right. <laughs> well, that's been the main part. You know, the, the, the luxury tax is the big issue, and then uh, revenue sharing, which has always been a problem. But uh, you know, this is really killing it. Yep, that's right. Absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more, Lou. Yeah. A lot of people are going crazy for saying that, but it's, uh, it's true. No, you're right. I mean, they need to put you as the uh, commissioner of baseball. I don't know. I don't know if I can handle that much responsibility. <laughs> I appreciate hey, the offer, though. <laughs> I think you do a great job. I, you know what? If they gave me a commissioner, I would do it. I'd, I'd do one thing for sure. They ain't having no strike on my watch. Yeah. And I thought Gary Benton was bad. Ugh. I, they, they, listen, if, if I had to be negotiating for 25 hours, 24 hours a day, I would do that. You ain't striking on my, my watch. Right. But basically, I think the commissioner's a wuss anyway, so. Yeah, you can't be a pushover as a, as a commissioner, but you also need to get along with people, too. So, yeah, uh, you know, those... You know, you know, but, but, you know, it's usually the time that, you know, spring training arrives, and, uh, you know, nothing. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Yeah. This could help, that's for sure. Yeah. Spring training is pretty much, I think, I think, I do think spring training is pretty much going to be a wash. It is. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. I think if you're lucky, they'll only miss a week or two of of the season, but you could pretty much consider spring training a wrap. Yeah. But how are you going to get them in shape? Do you need to get them in shape for spring training before starting a regular season? Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna do that. That's just that's just nuts. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just every couple of years it seems like we go through the same thing though. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yep. I guess it's fifty years since the first strike. Crazy. It really is. Fifty fifty years ago was the first strike in Major League Baseball. Wow. It wasn't as damaging though back then though, but it didn't take, you know, this long. 
Unbelievable. 81, 81, that was bad. 94, that was bad. This might be uh, by it under. Yeah. What about that? I mean, you know, I mean, we're all, I mean, most of us are baseball fans. Even my nephew is a baseball fan. I turned him on to baseball since he was like three. Yeah, baseball baseball was my sport growing up. Yeah. I wanted to be a major league baseball player. I wanted to be a pitcher. I think I'm well, I knew I wasn't I tall enough to be a pitcher. I want to be a second baseman. Yeah? Sure. Got more guts than I do. <laughs> I don't, so, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I get hit with a bat, you know, with a with a with a ninety five mile hour pitch. I think I'd rather play it safe and, and do the pitching. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the fast way to major league. If you can pitch. Of course I don't know if it's Charlie Sheen or Major League, but uh oh, no, it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> yep. a bull Durham. Maybe a bull Durham. No, no. Or maybe a league of their own. Oh. The biggest size is making any of myself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, so you know, this might be a new version of what's called a long, hot summer. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Lou, so what do you got cooking for your show tomorrow? Well, unfortunately, we got a couple of bad news of this, of this atrocity. So we'll cover that. Uh, we'll take a look at the last week of the regular season college basketball because the man because the man is going to start uh, actually this week. Uh, we'll also come. We'll also cover our combine as well. Since that's going on right now, I got some I got some details on that. I'll look at our monthly standings, and we got a whole bunch of other stuff to go through. So if you're not busy tomorrow between five and seven p.m. as usual, I think it's your time by the way. Dial the phone number 512-543-4662. It should be a very interesting and uh, somewhat uh, maybe a little hostile of a show. Maybe. But I'll try to avoid the hostility. There you go. Saturday for yeah. 5 and 7 Eastern Standard Time Zone. Lou, the Enhanced Sports Show. It's 512 Four six six two five one two five four three four six six two. Make sure you support Lou in the Enhanced Sports Show between five and seven Eastern Standard Time Zone tomorrow. Remember, though, if you dial outside the United States, dial an extra one first. There you go. Making sure that you dial an extra one outside the U.S. All right. All right. Uh, give my best to your partner. I will. I'll give the best to Aaron, and really appreciate you calling in, Lou. Really always an honor and a pleasure to have you here on the Island and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Really appreciate you. That's a, a great, great friend, great uh, fan of the show, Lou. Really appreciate his presence calling in on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Man, he is such a great, great fan of our show. So make sure you support him on the Enhanced Sports Show. Yeah, so 
definitely I wanted to mention to you guys, please follow us on iHeartRadio. Please like our page on the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Definitely want to thank our sponsor and for today, that is Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. So definitely make sure you get uh, some Chef G's Barbecue Sauce, FloridaBarbecue.com, and then definitely support him. He is our first sponsor of many on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Really honored to have him on board, the team, and it's going to be a great, prosperous partnership that you as our fans are going to be able to enjoy. Nothing better than listening to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, enjoying one of your favorite Chef G's barbecue sauces. So he has classic Florida Gold Honey Mustard, Heat Wave, and Fusion. I tried three of the four. I've tried the Fusion, the Heat Wave, the Florida Gold Honey Mustard. I'm yet to try the classic, but those three that I have tried have been spectacular. Chef G's barbecue sauce, so delicious and addictive. You may need a support group. And I'm telling you, they are outstanding. You got to try it yourself. My daughter tried it, and we and I've tried it. And I have to say, you know, we know our barbecue sauce, and they have been outstanding. The honey mustard has been great. So definitely check that out. Chef G's barbecue sauce. Rave reviews. And, yeah, we want to thank Lou for calling in. Definitely want to thank you, the fans, for listening to us. Really appreciate you. You've been a real blessing. It's been an honor being, you know, part of the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. I'm Allen. My co-host, Aaron, is out for today. But I definitely wanted to pay our respects to Stanford star goalkeeper, Katie Meyer. And uh, unfortunately, she did not make it. Uh, she did uh, commit suicide. I will give that phone number again. I gave it at the beginning of the show. I will give it at the end of the show now. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number. Help is on the way 24-7, 1-800-273-8255. Please, if you feel as if you're struggling with mental health or you know somebody it is, pass them that number because your life matters. And one of the things that unfortunately people who do go ahead and commit suicide, they never get a chance to feel the pain that the other people they leave behind feel. And then I just definitely do want to send my prayers and condolences to everyone affected by this tragedy, to her parents, that is just, um, you know, don't don't take life for granted. And uh, life is, is really short. This is a 21-year-old who's, I know she probably had a lot of pressure on her being a goalkeeper, but it's really sad that she is no longer with us, Katie Meyer. Definitely my praise condolences go out to the family. Definitely thank you for listening to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show on a Friday night. You can always catch us Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. And it's Friday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Uh, please, uh, if you comment on any of our posts, 
please do so. You'll get a comment and response back from us. We'll give us some time. We will get back to you. And uh, reach out to us if you have any questions or comments here on the Allen Adams Sports Talk Radio Show. Let me leave you guys also with our phone number so you can lock it in, save it. Always have that phone number. This way you can put us on a speed dial. You hear us talking on the Allen Adams Sports Talk Radio Show and you want to interject, please feel free to do so. Number is 516-418-5572. Again, it's 516-418-5572. Really appreciate you guys joining us here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. On behalf of Allen, which is me, and for Aaron, who is not here today, really appreciate you listening. Have a fantastic and safe weekend. Take care of yourself and be blessed and be well. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Evan Aaron's Post Talk Podcast. <laughs> Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you. <laughs>